You can open up to Mark chapter 10 this morning, Mark chapter 10, and I'll go ahead and tell you up front, my sermon is going to be totally different this week, it's going to be totally different next week, um, and then uh, the, really the month of January is just going to be totally different for us in the way that we do things. We will not be just opening and uh, expositing a, a text like we normally would, walking through a book, we'll get there, we'll kick that uh, back into high gear likely in February. Uh, but what we're going to be doing for uh, the next couple of, of weeks is we are going to be talking about this idea of being all in for 2020. This is going to be a theme that is going to carry us throughout the entire year, not just for uh, this short sermon series, though it will certainly be the, uh, the title for the sermon series. This will be the theme that will carry us all throughout 2020 as we uh, consider various different ways that, that we can be all in. It is our theme. It is, it is what will carry us. And what I want to do is I want to read here from Mark chapter 10, uh, and I want to look very, very briefly at a, at a guy who, uh, who was challenged to be all in uh, and didn't, didn't, quite, didn't quite do that. And then what we're going to do uh, this morning is I'm actually going to invite Reed up here, I'm going to invite Jordan up here, and they're going to talk a little bit about different ways that we are all in here at Providence and the ways that you can be all in through our ministries here at uh, at Providence. So Mark chapter 10 verse 17 is where we'll start this morning. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up. He is Jesus there at the beginning. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he's off to a good start. He comes up before him. He kneels before him. He shows him honor and deference. And he wants to know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, we could spend a long time there, and if I were preaching this text, I would spend a long time there. Uh, but really, I, I just got one thing that I want to drive home, so we're just going to move on past this. And he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, a pretty bold claim, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Now, we just went through the book of Exodus and we looked at the Ten Commandments and what we know is that on its face, there's almost no way that that is true. On some level, he has broken those commandments, at least some of those, but uh, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and let's just say perhaps he has somehow managed to keep all of these and then what the response should be from Jesus in, in, in response to that is, if you have kept the law, then you are good to go. Eternal life is yours. That would be the response from Jesus were eternal life something that could be earned by keeping the law. But that is not exactly how that works. And so Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And that's a key phrase there. He looked at him and he loved him. And he's going for him. And Jesus does the most loving thing he can for him. He says, you're not, you're not quite as on board with everything as you think you are. He says, go and sell everything and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And then disheartened, he goes away sorrowful for he had much. That question uh, and, and that exchange is one that I want us just to kind of sit in for a few weeks here. To wonder what it would look like for you. Perhaps you're coming to church here this morning, maybe as a visitor, maybe as, a, as someone who's been here for a long time, but you're coming to church this morning is, is, is maybe aching to the, the, the same thing that this, this, uh, this, this young boy did, this young man did, coming up and kneeling before Jesus. 
Maybe this is your kind of effective kneeling before Jesus and saying, what do I need to do, Jesus? Asking good questions, saying good things. Maybe you being here is that same kind of level of, 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 of deference and, and, and honor shown to, to Jesus, shown to God. And then the question that I've got for you is, in response to that, what is it that Jesus says to you Okay, fine, you've done all these things, but there's something you lack here. There's a blind spot that you don't see. There's this thing that you're holding on to that means more to you than following me. If you want to follow me, come follow me. But here's this thing I need you to consider giving up. I need you to let go of. Now, if I'm any kind of a preacher, this is where I can make you feel really guilty. If I'm any good at my job at all, I can make you feel really bad right here. I can lay out all kinds of things and I can say, if you don't give these things up, you're no good, Jesus doesn't love you, and you, you got nothing. That is not my intent this morning. That will never be my intent. My intent will never be to leave you sitting in guilt. Because that's not the gospel. Now, the flip side of that is, I would not be following the, the model that Jesus puts forward here if I don't love you enough to say, hey, there's some things that you probably need to consider here. There's some things that you probably need to let go of that you're holding on to and you don't even know how important they are until somebody calls you to let go of them. And see, here's the thing. If we're going to call ourselves disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus... But God has never called you to give up anything that costs you something, then I would, I would question whether or not you really know what it means to follow Jesus. Because the reality is, if we come to Jesus, bring him all of our stuff, all of who we are, and say, Jesus, I want to follow you, I want to be all in, what's probably going to happen he's, is he's going to say, oh, okay, well, let's see. Let's really see if you are all in, because if you are all in, it will be nothing if you need to give this thing up. Now, what that thing is, I don't know. Depends on you, depends on what Jesus wants to lay out for you. Perhaps it depends on your season of life. Perhaps it depends on how far along you are in this journey. I don't know what it is, but he's going to call us to give up some things. And so the question that I want to ask is, what does it look like for you in 2020 to be all in what is it that you are holding on to that prevents you from being all in and i want to say up front right here there are seasons of life that make certain things possible that aren't possible in other times there are different ways that we can talk about this and we can approach this there is no one size fits all discipleship but the but the reality is, if we are disciples, if we are followers, we will be called to give things up. And the shape that that takes and the shape that that looks like is different for a lot of us. But if you read through the New Testament, and this is what I want to really try to get at this morning, is really ask the question, not just what does it look like for you to be all in in 2020, but to ask the question, what does it look like for you to be all in here at Providence? If you're here at Providence and you make this your home, if this is where you want to be, what does it look like for you to be all in here? This is, I know we just talked about the budget. This is not where I ask you to give a whole lot of money. That's not what we're talking about. I, I just want to ask, what does that look like for you? 
And if you read through the New Testament, what becomes crystal clear about disciples of, of Jesus is discipleship is never done alone. Discipleship always happens, almost always happens in relationships. Now, there are moments where certain things happen for individuals on their own, but all those things that happen are meant to spur on other relationships. I think about Peter and his vision that he had to, to, to go to Cornelius. Well, that vision that he had was on his own, but it was to, to, to spur him on to a new relationship with somebody that he never would have formed a relationship with. It is how, relations, or it is how discipleship works. This, uh, this summer, I, I had to do some plumbing work at my house, which I might as well have been trying to do uh, rocket science at my house because I have no clue what I'm doing when it comes to that. All I know is that I was probably going to get wet, and I did, because that's what happens when you don't know what you're doing with plumbing. So what I did is I did what, what any good, smart guy would do is I called my father-in-law, and I said, please help me because YouTube can only get me so far. And what we had to do is we had to replace this, this thing in our plumbing. I, it's a thing. I don't know. And uh, I, I had to replace it, right? And it was all attached to a water softener. We had to get a new hot water heater. It was, it was, it was a pain in, in the tail is what it was. Um, but we, we put this thing in. We, we got all the pieces that we need. We made our 17 trips to Lowe's because we kept forgetting the one little thing that we needed. And, and, and we got it. And, and we, we put this thing in the, in the pipes and, uh, and, and got the glue in there and everything. We sat there. We let the, the glue settle and do all the things that it needed to do. And then came the moment of truth. We turned the water back on that had been turned off. And so we turn it on and everything just kind of seizes up real quick. And we're like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, and then we just sat there for a minute trying to figure out, well, is there water? Is there no water? Holler upstairs, tell the, uh, the kids or Emily, hey, check the water, turn the water on in the sink. Oh, there's no water coming up here. It's like, no, that's not good. There should probably be water at this point. And so we're kind of looking at each other like, what's going on? I don't, I don't really know what's happening. And at that point, the pipe burst and water went everywhere all over our laundry room, uh, which was uh, me standing there with my hand on the, the thing to turn off the water, yelling at my father-in-law, we got to turn the water off. Well, I'm not turning the water off because I'm freaking out about what to do, right? Um, eventually, we get it turned off. My, me and my father-in-law are standing there. There's literally water dripping off of our faces. And, uh, and what we found out is this thing that we had to replace uh, had gotten put on backwards. So, and there are very clear arrows that say water goes this way. And we put it on the other, I, my, I won't throw my father-in-law under the bus, but he did all the gluing and everything, and, uh, and maybe I just did. But it, it, was, it was the other way, so we eventually got it all straightened out, uh, got the, the stuff back on there after much frustration and many towels full of water, and, and got the things uh, taken care of that I, I, I honestly, for like three nights, got up at like two o'clock in the morning, would go downstairs and make sure that the seals had hold because the last thing that I wanted to do was to wake up to a completely flooded basement because uh, the glue decided not, not to hold. I know some of you guys have probably been there for that. Um, but it, here's, the, here's the point in, in telling that story. The pipes are kind of the way that relationships work in the New Testament for discipleship. 
the water works and gets where it needs to go. Things happen and do what they're supposed to do so long as they're going through the pipes and traveling through the pipes the way that, that, that they're supposed to. But if you get them outside the pipes, it goes everywhere. And it never makes it to the shower. It never makes it to the dishwasher. It never makes it to the sink. It never makes it to the place that it's supposed to because it's not within the, the kind of conduit of, of how it's supposed to work. That's the way relationships serve you in the New Testament. That's the way they are meant to work. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, it happens within the framework of the pipes of, of, of relationships. Are you tracking with me about how that works? Those work that way. So what I want to do this morning, what we want to do this morning, is we want to talk about the nature of discipleship and the nature of relationships and, and how best to serve you in that direction. So Reed, if you want to come on up, Reed is super excited to do this. Um, and for what it's worth, Rachel was uh, also... Uh, Reed and Rachel uh, have uh, taken on the, the task of trying to uh, lead and coordinate our uh, front porch communities. And um, very quickly, I said, hey, this would be a great thing for us to do on this Sunday. And Rachel's response was, well, that's you, Reed, because I'm not doing it. So Reed is now up here. And, uh, and what, what I've asked Reed to do is just to come up and to talk a little bit about the nature of uh, relationships here at Providence and, and what we have built into the uh, the system and the structure that, that we have here. So, uh, Reed, my, my question for you is, um, you've been a part of our small group ministry for a long time. You've been a part of the different things that we've done. Can you tell them a little bit about what front porch communities are? Because that's kind of a weird term. We don't call them small groups because they're not really small groups. We don't call them Sunday school because they're not Sunday school. Jordan will talk some more about that here in a few minutes. What are front porch communities and how, how do those work a little bit? So um, traditionally, you know, in a small group, well, what we used to do was more of a traditional small group where um, we would get together, mixed company, and maybe have like a meal and then like a quick devotional. Um, but there wasn't a ton of depth because it was, you know, men and women, and we were rushed because maybe we had childcare, um, trying to figure out the details with that. Um, and so it just, it wasn't um, kind of working for um, the discipleship aspect and also like getting to know people. And so something that we tried um, many years ago was kind of splitting up men and women in small groups, but still we kind of had that um, issue with finding childcare, and um, that was taking up two nights for families. Um, and it just, it, it, even though uh, we were kind of doing Bible studies together, um, there was still a piece uh, that was lacking, um, and that was kind of the uh, relationship building. Um, so a few years ago, a couple years ago, I don't remember how long ago, we um, decided to roll out front porch communities, uh, which is in tandem with discipleship groups that Jordan will talk about here in a minute. Um, so a front porch community is um, a group that meets usually once or twice a month at someone's house. Um, and this is everybody. This is um, couples, this is families, this is single people, this is college students, high school students, kids, anybody, everybody. Um, it's just a time to get together and build relationships outside of Sunday mornings because it's really difficult to meet people on Sunday mornings. Um, it can be kind of awkward, it can feel forced, and so Front Porch Communities allows for more of a 
um, natural, organic environment to get to know people, to build relationships, and for those relationships to flourish, um, and then deepen in discipleship groups. Um, so what a front porch community looks like is people getting together at someone's house. I'll use ours for example. We met last night. Um, we co-host with three other or two other families, and so it was our turn to host. So everyone came over last night um, at five o'clock, and everybody brought a little bit of food, and so we have a meal, and it's just a time to hang out and to get to know one another. Um, without having to prepare for a Bible study, without having to um, learn, without having to teach, um, just having a, an environment to get to know one another um, and develop those relationships. And so there's kids running around. It's crazy. You don't have to worry about childcare if you have kids. Um, it's just a time that everybody can get together um, and not have to worry about preparing for anything, but just be together outside of Sunday mornings. And it's, um, even though it's, you know, a more natural, organic environment, it's also intentional, um, and it's also planned. So the hosts, the leaders, we plan out the front porch communities a couple months in advance. That way, we can let people know, and they can put it on their schedules. So it's not just a spontaneous, sporadic event. Um, it's been planned out, and we let everyone know so that they can try to prioritize it because it's hard to find time, uh, make time in our schedules with all of the things that are going on in life. But we think that this is a very important thing um, to prioritize. So we try to get the dates out in advance so that people can put it on their calendars. So you've been a part of kind of the traditional small group setting, how we did that. You've been a part of these front porch communities for a long time, leading them, and really you and, and Rachel have done a great job kind of establishing the best way for these things to work. Can you talk just a little bit about what it's meant to you, um, just personally, to be a part of that, how you have made those relationships and how those have connected more? Uh, front porch community has been a huge blessing in my life. Um, I mean, I would, I would say life-changing. Um, it's just been so good to have people to walk through life with. Um, otherwise, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have anybody to, um, to talk to it when the good things happen, when the bad things happen, when the in-between things happen. Um, for me personally, I am a stay-at-home mom, and so that can be very isolating. It can be very lonely, um, and this creates an environment for me to just talk to people, just be in a relationship with people where I don't have to come and be prepared for something or I don't have to come and um, uh, be ready to learn. I can just be. I can just uh, talk to people and see what's going on in their lives and they can tell me what's going on in, um, and, and you know talk to them about my life. And um, through this, I've developed just lifelong, deep, rich relationships with people who I talk to on a daily basis. Um, people who are there for me through all of the things that go on in life. Um, normally, it's just everyday stuff that I, you know, text people about, about the weird things that my kids are doing, and they can laugh about it with me. Um, but they're there for me through the bad things and through the hard things um, and through the tough things to encourage me, um, you know, to be a better mom, to be a better wife, to be a better friend, um, and to call me out when I need that. 
Um, so it's been really life-changing in that way just to develop these relationships. And I am an introverted person, and so it you know, forces me out of my comfort zone, um, but not in an intimidating way uh, like it is kind of on Sunday mornings. Um, it's more, so, so much more of a natural environment to be at someone's home and to be eating a meal together. Um, and Acts 2, uh, it talks about breaking bread in each other's homes and eating um, with a glad and sincere heart. And that's exactly what it is, just being glad and sincere together, um, just walking through life together, to developing those relationships. And one other thing that's been really, really great personally is watching um, my kids really grow up in this ministry. Um, they count down the minutes when they know that people are coming over, and they love it. And it's teaching them to live in community. It's teaching them to be hospitable to others. It's teaching them to um, serve other people. And they, they, they have developed these relationships with other children uh, that they don't see, that they wouldn't see if we didn't have our poor community because they don't go to the same schools or they're not the same age. Um, and so they have really um, been, able to, been able to develop friendships just like me and my husband have um, and I, uh, recently our front porch community, um, we split because we had so many people, which is a fantastic problem. Um, and so it was sad to, uh, kind of go away from some of those friends, but of course our relationships have been built. And so, um, you know, we still have those, but it's been neat to watch my kids, uh, make friends with new kids and, you know, with a new group of people. And it's been really cool to see that, um, and to watch them grow. Now, Hannah, if you want to come on up, where, where are you at? Um, while she's coming up. Now, Reed and Tony have been a part of Front Porch Communities for a long time, small groups before that. There's probably not a time that you can remember. Uh, you want to grab that from Chris? There's probably not a time that you can remember not being a part of something like that. Uh, but John and Hannah, you met John earlier. Uh, John and Hannah have not had the same experience. They haven't, they, they've, uh, they've, been at the church now for what, three years, something like that. Something like, I don't know. Yeah, something, um, like something like that. And and initially, when they first got here, uh, life was busy, and it was hard for them to figure out how to get plugged into one of those. And so, what I wanted you to hear is, if you're one of those people who's not in a front porch community, or you haven't made the time to do that, um, you know, that there is a way for you to kind of get plugged in, and and it does mean a lot. So, Hannah, if you want to share a little bit about that. Yeah, too. so as Tony said, we have been here three or four years, something like that, um, and we came in and we jumped in with helping with college ministry, um, but that was kind of the only area that we really were serving or even in community with people, which were with college students, which they're wonderful, but we needed to be in community also with people our age, walking through life um, in the same stages, or even people who have walked through things before us. Um, so we really had not found a good way to do that. John had started going to a discipleship group, um, on Tuesday mornings and started to build some deeper relationships. I had not started a discipleship group because of just my work schedule and things. And there weren't, there was not really a convenient, um, time for me to go at that point in life. Um, so last year, Tony Runyon and... John had become really good friends, and Tony had a really um, good conversation with my husband and said, hey, you all are not really plugged in in a community group, and you really should be. They're a blessing and kind of shared how that had been um, uh, so instrumental in 
their relationship, his and Reed's relationships with other people at Providence. So we decided to make 2019 that we were going to commit to front porch groups and that we were going to make that a priority in our life. That was really hard. I had um, a one-year-old baby. My husband and I both work full-time jobs. I travel for work. He also farms. We, he just commits to a lot of things. If you know him, you know that he says yes to everything. Please don't ask him to do anything else. Um, so um, anyways, so we decided 2019 we were going to commit, and we did. Um, and not only did we commit to front porch groups, but my husband still does his Tuesday morning discipleship group, whether it's him and Tracy Mullins and nobody else, or he shows up at McDonald's and there's nobody else there. It doesn't matter. He still goes. Um, and then I have started to um, go to a discipleship group as well with people that I met through our front porch group. Um, and so it's just been a, a huge blessing to us. And now we actually help and co-host with Tony and Reed um, because we want to continue to make that a priority in our life. And by co-hosting, it really kind of pushes you to that. Um, and it's something that we wanted to do when we moved to Jefferson City and we bought a house that at the time was way too big for just two people. But now that we have 40 people in it sometimes, you know, uh, once a month, we fill it up. And that's, that was the purpose of that home and the purpose of us moving to the city. So, Thank you. Welcome. So um, her testimony is, is one, hers and John is one of simply making the commitment and saying, we're going to do this. No matter what, we're going to do this. And it changed everything for them. And so what, what I want to do is I just want to give Reed an opportunity to talk about what groups we have, when they meet, let her run through that, and then we'll have Jordan come up and she'll talk a little bit about, uh, about discipleship groups that you heard Hannah talk about a, as well. So we don't assign groups here. We don't say, hey, you're going to that group. Some churches do that. We allow you to to kind of fill that out and, and pick some of that out. So what I want Reed to do is just kind of walk through some of what's there and give you an idea of how you would go about finding a group. So, um, If you're interested in a group, um, you can talk to me or Rachel Rosser or Tony, and we can um, kind of talk to you about um, what would be the best fit for you. Um, that may be one group. That may be all the groups. Anyone is welcome to go to any group at any time. They meet at different times, um, and so just because you go to one doesn't mean that you can't go to another one if you want to meet different people. Um, but they are kind of location-based. Um, we have two that meet in Jefferson City. Um, we don't have a group that exclusively meets in Morristown. Um, right now, we hope to have that in the future, so those kind of serve for the Morristown people as well. Um, and so um, the Rossers and the Hodges um, and the Gladwins, they host a group in Jefferson City. And so those are three families that um, kind of switch um, the meeting location. And so you, um, you'll be at one of their houses every time. Um, and then us in the Mixons and the, uh, the Mullins also host a group in Jefferson City. Um, uh, where'd that other slide go? <laughs> There's some pictures so that you can see their faces. <laughs> know that we're not just crazy people who open our homes. Um, the, the Duns and the Crows, uh, Melissa uh, Summy and David Crow, um, also host a group that kind of meets Jefferson City Dangerous area, kind of in between. Um, Bob and Elisa Lemons have a group that meets in Talbot, and uh, Ben and Jessica Willings and the um, 
Jessica and Kenny Jarnigan, they have a group that meets in Newmarket, Strawberry Plains, um, East Knoxville area. So how these work, um, we all meet different times. So my group meets usually Saturday nights or Sunday nights at five. Um, the Rossers group usually meets Sunday nights around five. Um, uh, the Duns and the Crows, they sometimes do a lunch after church, which is a great option for some people um, who maybe don't want to come back out to Jefferson City. You're already here. Um, and the, um, the group in Strawberry Plains New Market, I think they usually meet Friday nights. Um, and then the Lemons, they meet um, in Talbot. They meet uh, on a weekday evening at, at 7. Um, so that's a great group for people who either don't have kids or have older kids and they have more flexibility in the evenings and they like evenings. College students, any, you know, anybody can go to any of these groups. And so um, if you want to get plugged in, you can talk to us. Or if you know somebody that goes to one, that's a great, a great way to get plugged into one. Um, and so they meet at different times and different areas and that's kind of... Um, how we, how we do it, and hopefully, as the ministry continues to grow, we'll form new groups um, in the new year. And one thing that we are doing this year um, is doing some front, uh, some joint front porch communities, and so that's when two groups will meet together at the church, just to give an opportunity for different people to meet different people, um, so that, you know, you're, you're not trying to rush to somebody on Sunday mornings to meet them, so that there is uh, an intentional time dedicated for different people to meet each other. Um, and then four times a year, we'll have church-wide events called uh, Forks and Friends, which is like a large front porch community um, where the whole church gets together and we have a meal and we just hang out. There's no agenda. We just get to know one another. And so there's one coming up um, on February 23rd, which is a great time if you're interested in this ministry to kind of see what it is on a large scale. Um, it's a really good time to, uh, kind of, you know, come and check it out. So, uh, if you want to get involved in one of those, Reed is a person to talk to or, or Rachel, or you can talk to me as well. And we would love to get you plugged into one, find the right one for you, the best fit for you. And it is a great way to get to know folks here. And it's a great way to build those relationships that are, as I said, kind of the, the conduit for, for discipleship. So with that, what I, what I want to just ask Jordan, if you want to come on up. Jordan is our newest staff member. She is uh, she is, has come on here this fall, and her her title is discipleship coordinator, which is a very broad title that can encompass uh, a lot of different things. But uh, what she's been doing is trying to kind of get her arms around what discipleship groups are and how to get you guys into our discipleship groups. So uh, if you're tracking, we have front porch communities that are large that are uh, centered around fellowship, relationships, food. Um, and then we also have discipleship groups, and, and I, what I want to do is I just want to transition to uh, Jordan and let her just talk and, and explain a little bit about what discipleship looks like here at Providence. Yeah. So I think disciple and discipleship is a bit of a buzzword in the Christian community, and it's one of those things that people can mean different things when they use the same word. So I kind of want to establish, do we have a slide with that on it? I, do we make that? Yeah. So if we'll just use this as our definition. A disciple is a believer or a follower of Jesus who's growing in their knowledge and obedience to him. Um, so I would say it's one step beyond a convert, someone that is 
a Christian, would call themselves a Christian, it's someone that is intentionally growing in their relationship with God. There is movement forward towards knowing Jesus better and obeying him more. And so that's kind of a generic, broad term. So you may be like, well, okay, that's great. Those are nice words. What does that mean? Um, growing in our relationship and our knowledge and obedience to Jesus is, uh, it can be seen as kind of those typical Sunday school answers. Like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to pray. You're supposed to go to church. And those are all true things. Those are all good things. But um, since we're considering this like our year is all in, um, while those are good things, I think we know to do those things. We need help to do those things. I know what I'm supposed to do to be a healthy person. I know I'm supposed to eat healthy food. I know I'm supposed to work out. I don't always do those things. I think most of us have a problem with the, those things as well, not just in our health, but in our spiritual life. We're like, yeah, I know I need to go to church. I know I need to read my Bible. I know I need to pray. I need to give. I need to do all these things that I feel like I've been told to do when I go to church, but I don't, one, I may not want to do those things. I may not um, know how to do those things. I don't know how to open my Bible and just start reading. Like, how do you do that? I don't know how to pray. And Jesus had to teach his disciples how to pray too. So one of the ways that we try to help um, members of our church and our community to grow in their relationship with Jesus is to have these things called discipleship groups that are intentional with a purpose of growing in our relationships with Jesus Christ and with each other. And one of the best ways to um, to work towards that is to work with other people. I know I do a better job at going back to the health example. I do a better job at making sure that I'm working out or eating the right foods if I have somebody doing it with me, if I'm doing this by myself, then it's hard to do. If I'm, we're not, like uh, Tony and Reed said earlier, we're not supposed to do this by ourselves. It's 90% in community with other people. I heard something recently that said that um, a lot of people will tend to say that their faith is a private thing. And I would tend to shift that and say it's a personal thing, but it's not a private thing. It's not something that's supposed to be done just in isolation by yourself. You're supposed to be in community with other people. It's a very personal thing, but it is not a private thing. So if, if that's the way that that's supposed to work then, and, and if that's how discipleship uh, is supposed to work here at Providence, what does it look like for somebody to be all in in discipleship groups in, uh, or, or to be a part of a group? What do those groups look like? How do they function? How, what does that look like here? I would say um, we would tend to come to a discipleship group or see something like a discipleship group um, with a mindset like a Sunday school type thing. And if you come from that background, Sunday school would be something that you would have before church or after church, like the large group meeting on Sunday mornings, that same time, same place every week. Um, you can come, you cannot come. It doesn't really matter. They might write your name down. They might not. Um, but discipleship groups are meant for the people that are involved, whereas Sunday school is same time, same place, you can come and go as you please. Discipleship groups are, we might meet different times, different places, various times and places, but you're committed to the people. You're not committed to the time and the place. You're committed to one another and to growing each other in that. Um, I think two big words with discipleship groups to remember. 
are, they're supposed to meet regularly and intentionally. We don't just get together to hang out. We have that built into like our structure here as front porch communities, and that's made for that, for the community, for building those relationships. Whereas discipleship groups are focused on our intentional growth towards knowing and loving Jesus more. So how many people are typically in those type of groups? What, how, is it like a Sunday school that's just come one, come all, or how does that work? Um, so an ideal group size would be about five. There's greater intimacy in a smaller group like that, I would say. I know that some groups um, are smaller than that. They're like uh, Hannah said, sometimes there's two people in a group, sometimes there's three, sometimes there's eight or ten. Um, but it's, it's a smaller group that lends itself toward greater intimacy in those conversations and um, holding each other accountable, confessing sins, all of those things that um, we can't really do in this environment on Sunday mornings and we can't really do with the front porch community environments either. So if somebody wanted to get plugged into one of those, what kind of resources do you have for them? What kind of, uh, how, how would you do that? Would you just, uh, would they just come to you? Would they talk to somebody else? Or just talk to others in, the, in here and say, hey, I want to do one of those. Let's do one of those. How, what would it look like? Okay. Yeah, you can come to me and you can come to Tony. Absolutely. I'd love to plug you in if you have no idea where to start. We also have uh, lists that are on the screens in the lobby. We have uh, papers floating about that have the already established groups that you can find. And you can look on there. You can see where they are, what time they meet, that sort of thing. Um, I also know that sometimes those times and places don't work out for everybody. So you are welcome to come to me. I, I'm here to be a resource for the church. Um, I want to be able to help you establish a group. If, if you like, you look at those lists and you've talked to people and you just cannot find somebody to meet with, but you really want to, I'm here to help figure that out. And um, hopefully I will have more and more people coming to tell me um, I want to be part of a group. And hopefully we have more than what we have now in the coming months. Right now I think we have seven groups. Um, Three, three women's groups, three men's groups, and one mixed group that meets on Sunday mornings. Um, so there are various times and places that you can get involved, but they may not work for you, so come talk to me. Come talk to Tony. You can email me, jordan at providencejeffcity.com. I think that's my email. I don't know. But, yeah. So, and then um, in addition to those resources, um, for your, um, like, your daily devotional quiet time, for your, uh, what did I say? private versus personal, for your personal time with Jesus. Um, I did have some printouts, I've got them right here, of different Bible reading plans. Sorry, they're all mixed up now. There we go. Some Bible reading plans that um, we're not going to do just one as a church like we did in 2012. We did this thing called The Journey, and we've updated it for Journey 2020. Um, we're not just doing one plan. I wanted to put these out there as resources if you're interested. Like I said, if you may not know where to start, you want to read the Bible, you want to um, get into some passages you may have never read before, these are a great way to do it, and there's some various... Um, types of plans. So we have the F260. It has the green on it. This is 260 days of reading the Bible, and it hits kind of like the highlights within the Bible. It's not every single thing. You're probably not going to read many genealogies. You're not going to read too many laws, but it will hit some like highlight um, verses and passages, and you have weekends to catch up. I know I always need that. 
Then we have the journey, which is what we did 2012. It's the exact same plan, and um, it goes through chronologically through the Bible. So it's not Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. There's some um, pieces that may seem out of place, but chronologically they fit. So you'd be reading Job in the middle of Genesis because Job came before Abraham, that sort of thing. Um, And then the last one is the McShane Uh, plan, which is one that I've done before and I got a lot out of. It has various types of scripture every day. So you'll be in the New Testament, the Old Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs, which is really helpful to me because if you are, if you're reading through um, like a like a law book, it may be easy to get bogged down in Leviticus because it's not a storyline. It's not a narrative. So it's easy to, um, to have, it's nice to have those different types of scripture that are in there as well. So those are some resources that we have. Um, in addition to that, I would love to create or get other resources. If your discipleship group doesn't know where to start, you don't want to do a Bible reading plan, you may want to read a book, I can help you find those things. And um, I'm, I'm here to be a resource for the church as well. So. Yeah, that's exactly what she wants to be able to do, is to be able to resource. If you're trying to figure out how do we pull this off, she's the person to, to talk to, and she can, she can help you do that. She's been hard at work at this stuff, and she's passionate about it. And, uh, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen over 2020 as we go all in. And the, the, the closing thing here, we're not going to sing our song here at the end. Um, uh, we're we're going we're gonna to close. But the question I want to ask you is the same one I started with. If Jesus were to come to you and he were to say, you know, or if you were to come to Jesus and say, what, what do I need to do? And you, you lay all this stuff out and he says, go and sell these things. What is that thing that perhaps you might walk away sorrowful because you had it? And in the context of this with, with relationships, would you, if Jesus were to say, if you want to be my disciple, you need to form those relationships. Here's ways you can do that. Front porch communities, discipleship groups. Would you go away sorrowful for, for you had two hours on Sunday you couldn't give up? Would you walk away sorrowful because you couldn't get up on a Friday morning an extra hour early to develop those relationships because that hour was, was too important? Would you walk away sorrowful because you couldn't commit to uh, these relationships and, and studying God's word with uh, other men, other women? Would you walk away sorrowful because of that? I don't want that to be your story. What I want you to be able to do is to look back on your life, to look back at the end of 2020, to look back when you get to 2025, Lord willing, we're all there to look back and to be able to say 2020 was the year that I said I'm all in. There's nothing that's going to hold me back here. And I made a commitment just like John and Hannah to be a part of a community. And that changed everything for me. That changed it all. That's what I want your story to be in 2020. I want that to be a part of, of what you do. So I'm going to pray for us now. We're going to, we're going to wrap things up here for the morning. I'll pray for us, and I hope you guys will come back next week as we continue to look at what it means to be a disciple here and, and consider some of the other bigger picture things here at Providence and, and ask that question, what does it look like to be all in? So let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of, of, of fellowship and of family, of friendship, of these people here at at Providence that have come here. I thank you for um, the the way that you have uh, made us to to function within community. And I and I pray that that would be true of us here at Providence. That we would do that well. That we would do that intentionally. And that we would uh, we would pursue you um, as we pursue those relationships here this year. Um, God, I pray that you would convict us where we need convicting, that you would uh, soothe our hearts where they need to be soothed, and that you would 
uh, direct our steps uh, in the coming days, weeks, and months.